Welcome back to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, and with me is my uh, guest and, of course, my co-host, Martin Nunley. And we got a lot to talk about, so let's jump right back into it and let's uh, let's continue. Thank you. Uh, but, hey, you know, I got a question for you, buddy. Yes, brother. So we talked about just about everything. Now, you know, with devil worship and haunted houses yes. and Bigfoot and Dogman. Have you ever seen any UFOs or anything like that at any time in your life? Yes. Uh, and that time in my life, yes, I witnessed something there happening in, uh, in Raymondville. It was around the same time in the 70s, early 70s. Uh, I remember, yeah, Raymondville, Texas. Uh, I remember there was one evening where there was something in the air. It was literally, this is like in the 70s, like 75, 76, that it was literally breaking the sound barrier. And it was just like, making the sound and it was breaking the uh sound barrier numerous times it was making this loud noise like boom boom it was breaking the sound barrier over and over and over it's like something flying in the air that was breaking the sound barrier and everybody was looking to the sky because nobody knew what was going on but you could hear it breaking the sound barrier numerous times uh i did witness something uh, that i want to talk about around that time frame there was one evening where where we're all asleep, and when I wake up, right, everybody's standing. I'm talking about not just us, but like all the people that live within the block, everybody's standing on the curb. And when I wake up out of out of that trance or whatever the case it might be, whatever it was, there's no way we all can be sleepwalking. But everybody's standing on the curb. The, my neighbors across us and everybody, and I could see all the people standing on the curbs, right? At nighttime, in the middle of night. So I get scared, you know, because I'm trying to talk to my mom or dad and nobody's responding in any kind of way, you know? So I'm like freaking out. So I go back into the house and and I go hide underneath the blanket, you know? Because, you know, I was a kid and I was afraid. So as I'm in there, I hear the door open and I seen something in the in my house and it's got like a some kind of cape but it looked like a like a reptilian and it's 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 got like a tail and it's walking inside my house like it's looking like it's looking for me and I'm I'm, I'm hiding underneath a blanket scared as you know uh next thing you know he lives out of the house and when it leaves out of the house, it's kind of like everybody woke up out in the middle of the street and everybody's just looking at each other like they don't know what, what's going on, you know? So everybody just walks back inside their homes. And, wow. and I do recall uh, another incident. This is in the middle of the night again where I woke up out of whatever trance-like thing I was on and I was in a line helping people, you know, like passing where, where it was near the railroad tracks. There was a train and we we're loading up stuff in the train, you know? And I woke up out of that, 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 that sleep, but on top of the train, you could see this reptilian creature on top of the train, like it's in charge, you know? And that's, that's what I remember. But, you know, I was a kid, 
when I seen those things crawling on the ground in like a like a snake or reptilian, when my grandma passed away, you know, and the sound barrier breaking, uh, it, it makes me wonder if you know whether it was something like you say of UFOs or out of this world, it's something that, that has the capability of breaking the sound barrier, or was it some something demonic, you know? But it, it had control of a lot of things like that down there. Imagine people, if they have full control of people there, but standing on the on the curbs, and they don't even know that they're being controlled in that manner. Do you, um, do you feel like you're an abductee? Like you've been abducted like multiple times, or is this just like a one-time incident that you saw? And Well, you know, I don't know. I ain't going to say that if I'm an abductee or not. The only thing I remember is waking up from a trance-like state that that I was standing on the curb and everybody, the old folks, you know, there's people, those elderly people standing on the curbs and everybody is standing there like they're in a trance-like state. So is it is it possible that we was uh, in some form of way or is it that we were controlled, being controlled by something in some kind of way? I don't know. But when they're not responsive and you're talking to them and they're not saying nothing to you and then you just have a blank stare, you know, and everybody's standing the same way side by side along the curbs, you know, and you could, I could see all the people standing like that all the way down the block. So it would like for not just our block, the other block too, you know, I just, I I keep going back to when you were like a child, you know, and it just, I just keep thinking that it, it had to be, um, had something to do with that, with the culandera uh, or bruja, whatever it was that, that she that that had you when you were a kid. Because why would she choose you? Uh, you had you had six siblings, right? Uh, brothers yes. and sisters, yeah. And so I, the, I was the second. You were the second. No, at that oldest? time, I was at that time. It was only me and my brother. And oh, okay. Most likely, my sister. It was three of us. I don't think my sister was born yet. No, she was already born. So my younger, uh, the one below me, we were 10 months apart, me and my sister. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I noticed this events, you know, uh, uh, that I remember waking up, literally waking up. Imagine sleepwalking, right? And, and you wake up from your sleep when you're standing up in the kitchen or standing in your living room, like, how the hell did I get here? Well, when I woke up, I was in the curb, and all these other people were, were there in a in a, in a trance-like state, also like by the curb, you know. But they wouldn't respond. How did I manage to wake up out of there? I don't know, but I, you know, I was able to snap out of it. Uh, but the other people that were still in the trance-like state, which that's what scared me, and I took up running inside the house. And then uh, the, the other incidents that were happening there in the Rio Grande Valley at that time frame is they were finding cattle with no blood. Uh, a lot of cattle, goats, cows, horses. Uh, and this one they were talking about either the chupacabra or possibly uh, alien that was doing that to the to the to the cattle. Same thing, exsanguination. I mean, yeah. You know, and in Spanish, a lot of times the, the the word chupacabra gets bandied about like it's just it's a catch-all for these entities. But 
the chupacabra, el chupacabra, you know, it's like, oh, el chupacabra, el chupacabra. But it, the, 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 there are cases of these creatures <clears throat> doing these things um, in open fields. And in particular, South Texas, uh, I had a couple stories out of that area in, in, in the Rio Grande Valley. One was near Harlingen where someone claimed to have seen these two light, lightly green, the like green tinted creatures, but they were leathery skinned is the way they described them. And they were literally out in the middle of a, of a field holding a black cube. Um, and Barton, we were talking about black cube with someone else, uh, recently. Um, right. Yeah. And they were holding a black cube that looked like some sort of like weird triangular projection coming out of it. Um, and they, and they were watching this and then the next thing, you know, they're like on the side of the road and they wake up and they're like, then there was like two dead cows, like right there by the fence line. And they had been, you know, sliced Some of the events that were happening around our house is, uh, we was always finding dead cats or gutted out. Like in the mornings when we wake up, they were just hanging on the fence and there'll be dead cats with their, their guts sticking out. Like somebody was killing them and putting them on the fence. You know, uh, around the, where we lived, uh, there's one time that uh, I was working out. You know, this is after you know everything that happened with my mother. I was working two jobs, and I was working out outside. I had some free weights, so I was working out. I went inside the house to drink some water. When I come off the house, you know, I have a little steps. I tripped over something. You know, I tripped over something, and I'm like. I fall down, hit myself, and I'm looking, and I'm touching, and I touch your face. And when I'm touching, I'm like, what the hell is this, you know? So I looked at my hands, and I got blood in my hands, you know? And I'm like, what the hell? And I grabbed it, and I looked at it, and it was a, a, a donkey's head. Nearly a donkey's head that I tripped over. So, you know, I was, like, in charge of my brothers and sisters at that time because of everything that happened. So I did. I didn't want them to freak out, you know. So I grabbed the donkey head, and I carried it. I guess it was like a do- little baby donkey, or you know, not a big one, a, a little one. And I grabbed it and I took it to the to the to the alley and I put it under some branches I cut and I hid it underneath there. I just I was just trying to figure out how he got there, from me just going in there, drinking water real quick and go right back outside. Um. Uh, some other things that I witnessed there is another story uh, where everything had already happened with my mother. I was going to my cousin's house and uh, I was walking, you know, walking. I didn't have a vehicle, so I'm walking to my cousin's house and I, I could, you know, because I would train my senses even then when I were trained. Uh, I felt something beside me uh, through the house and I could hear something moving, moving. So I started looking. When I looked, I seen something walk over the fence, and it was freaked out because it looked like a person, because you could see the the body of the person, but the face was of a dog, you know, like a like a dog or a wolf, or I would say more of a werewolf. And I, what the hell is that? And I looked to the other side, and I seen another one. So I got scared, and like the next block, the church was there, so. I ran, you know, I ran to the church and I was banging at the at the priest uh, because the, the priests have their homes there. So I was banging on this door, you know, because I was being followed. And I, and I told him that you know, I believe something demonic was following me. So he said, come with me. So he took me inside the little room in the church and he told him what's going on. You know, it's like around 1030 at night. 
And I was telling him what had happened, and he's like, oh, just probably just your imagination. You've been through a lot. You know, it was the same. Uh, one of the priests that knew about what had happened with her family, right? So I'm telling him the story, and he, you know, and he's like, oh, just your imagination. He's got glasses on. So as I, I'm telling him, and he's like, it's just your imagination. The, the door opened behind us. So as the door opens behind us, through his through his mirror through his glasses, right? I can see the reflection of those beans in his glasses behind me. So the priest, and then was Father Ralph, he starts he gets scared and he starts sweating, you know, because of fear. And he said, You need to leave, you need to leave. When he's saying you need to leave, the door closes. And it's like I said, Well I got another block to make it to my aunt's house because or no two two more blocks. So I did the sign of the cross and I stepped outside thinking they were going to still be there, but I didn't see nothing. So I just ran to my aunt's house, you know, but that's another experience that I experienced in the, in South Texas where they were like half human, I mean, more human, but the face was beastly, you know. Mm -hmm. How did those Which, look uh, compared you know, to like what you saw in Elms Grove and Colleen? Because. Oh man, those, those look, those look like the body of a person, like literally a body, the body of a person, but a tall person, but the face was a werewolf. Like from the neck up was a, was a werewolf, like a wolf, werewolf. And it wasn't a, it was no mask. You just, they looked like that, like beastly, uh, should I say demonic, you know, demonic beings. Uh, but I know the priest, you know what, after that, the priest left, that church he requested to be transferred somewhere yeah, else i bet he did he was probably not a strong enough faith i mean I, you know th this is a story that i've heard before too um my wife had an, an incident kind of like that where something had followed her and they went into a, a, a her uh friend's house and you know long story short i mean it's up to her if she ever wants to tell it but and we may have told it on the show once but something was banging on the door and she was convinced that it was this goat-like creature. Um, but a believer. That's a. I mean, she's had some weird st stuff happen. I mean, it's just like I have, just yeah. like you have, just like Barton has. We're all experiencers, and people think it's a joke. They don't understand. If I thought you were joking at all, or if you weren't being truthful, you wouldn't be on the show right now. And I can tell you right now that this this stuff really happens. I got a story from a guy who. Now here's what's weird, and and and, I'm, and I, don't, I don't know how to explain this. Okay, his name's Jer Jeremy. Um, he was real good friends with my brother, and he had a head injury. And what happened was, nothing had ever happened to this guy before. And y'all can tell me if you've ever heard anything like this. But he was working at a parking garage as an attendant, and he somebody had ran through the like they were drunk, and they ran through the 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 arm of the thing or whatever. And the thing flew up and hit him in the head and knocked him out. And then after that, his head injury, he started having seizures and then he started having experiences. Well, you know, modern Western medicine is going to say, oh, well, Jeremy just hit his head. And so now he's having weird experiences. The problem with that theory is that when other people were around him, they would experience it too, including my brother and a friend of his. And uh, they were like, dude, this guy would, would, would claim that he would see things. He's like, we couldn't see it, but we would we would smell things and we would hear things and we would 
you know, because my brother stayed with, I, th- I think he stayed with this guy for a little while. And then this guy started uh, going into seizures. And then one time when he had a seizure, uh, another friend of mine claimed that he saw him. There was this black shadow thing that he saw standing over him. And so I don't know what that did to him. But prior to that, you know, when I talked to this guy, I, I you know, I, I asked him, I said, did anything ever happen to you prior to this? And he said, no, absolutely nothing. So whatever, you know, it all began with him having the head injury, um, you know, and of course the, the guy that did it ended up getting, getting in trouble going to jail and was forced to pay and all this stuff. And the guy actually had money, the guy that did that. He was a rich guy, but, I mean, he ended up getting in trouble, you know. And so Jeremy's uh, standard of living got better, but he, for the rest of his life, um, and ultimately it led to him taking his life. So, I mean, you know, we don't know that that's what, it, you know, 100%. I can't say all because he wasn't like, I wasn't like his close friend or whatever, but he had moved away to, uh, oh, God, I'm trying to remember the name of the town. But anyway, he, he moved way out into West Texas. Um, and, and so he ended up, uh, and he passed away. But, and they suspect that he had, he, he was taking, uh, seizure medication, um, to regulate, and, and he took like a whole bunch of it. So they're pretty sure that that's a suicide. Yeah. So, so a lot of the the seizure medicine, like the lantern, they had the, the side, Latin, the side yeah. effect of the medicine is is suicide. Mm-hmm. That's clearly the reason I say that because I'm epileptic from the military from a blow to the head. Um, when I was on that the lantern medicine, you know, it was it was messing me up, and uh, they finally changed it, and I'm, I'm doing a lot better. Without that medicine, you can't be in the sun or nothing like that. I have flown out of a tank, yeah. So I stay away from that. Last time I'm on uh, on a Vicarium right now, so that's what I take. Uh, but it's from a a hit. I went into a natural. I was a tanker, so in, in California we we're training and we flew into a. It was a twenty foot drop with a tank. So and I was a loader at the time, and I flew out of the tank and uh, I went. I went. The, I was holding on to the, the N240 gun, and uh, when I flew back down, the uh, the handles almost got stuck into my gut. And then we hit again, you know, because it, we got tank and savings, we bounced twice, and uh, I, knocked, I was knocked out. You know, I hit my head. My head. I had a, a, a CVC on, you know, which is where you talk, and I hit my head on the breach where it's where the main gun goes in, and I was knocked out. I was knocked the hell out, man. Like. My eyes were just going, uh, flapping, moving real fast, rapid. You know, I couldn't stop it from blinking. You know, I was like, that's how strong of a blow it was. And I remember that the, the medics got lost. And that's all I remember. They were just kept on telling me, stay awake, stay awake. And they finally, I was going in and out, in and out. And the air medic back me and stuff. So but, you, you were, you were, were you at 29 Palms? Was it Desert Warfare Training? When I was where? Was it Desert Warfare Training? Was that with 29 Palms? Where were you at? Oh, I was in, uh, when I was training in uh, Fort, uh, it was in Fort Orwin, and it's oh. called National Training Center. Okay. Uh, I was training out there. Uh, this is after the war. You were in the Army, right? Wadi. You were Army, right? In the Army, yeah. Yeah. I was a tanker, and uh, we flew, flew, flew uh, I got knocked out. Uh, I could tell an incident that happened out there. You know, the desert, there's nothing out there. Well, there was another time where we're driving and 
our tank almost flipped into a wadi. And, you know, my senses told me something was going to happen. And I tell them, uh, I traversed, my senses told me to traverse to the left. So, because I was a gunner. So as I traversed the, the, the turret, the turret went to the left, our tank was going to flip. We get flipped. But the gun tube stuck into the, into the, into the ground, right? So we didn't know in what situation we were. So, Nobody knew where we were at because the night was trying to turn on the headlights of the tank, and they were trying to find us. And then uh, another tank came, uh, and they put a tow strap, and he put it, he hooked it up to his tank, so it wouldn't flip over. So then, uh, you know, the people that train out there with us, they came and they had spotlights and everything, and they told us to, uh, you know, they were telling us to. Before that happened, you know, we're in the position where. I was literally sitting on the gun tube. The loader was sitting on the wall, and and my my TC he was trying to jump off the tank before we flipped. You, you know because we're going to flip. The driver was crying because he was new. You know I just just hold on to the brakes, put on the parking brake, and just keep keep on holding on to the brakes. You know, I mean the the brakes ain't going <laughs> to uh, stop a sixty five ton from flipping, right? So as we're there, you know I start you know I'm there. We're there, and they just everybody stay calm. We know we're, we we call for help and stuff. Next thing you know, this was what we hear. You hear a woman crying around the tank, and my my, my driver who's a Puerto Rican, he's like, "I'm muddy What what is it, Sergeant? He was like, Sergeant, what is that? What is that? You can hear the woman crying around the around the tank. There's a woman crying, you know, and." They're like, oh shoot! And I was like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, you know. Like I could hear a woman crying, but I recognized the cry, you know, which was I felt like that was my mom's spirit, you know, protecting us. So I started praying to our Father and stuff, you know, and that's when uh, and then was Sergeant first, uh, Staff Sergeant Robinson came and hooked up the tow tank, the tow to us, you know, so we wouldn't flip over. But we 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 made it out of there safely. But you could hear the spirit of a woman. You know, well, I believe it was my mother looking out for me, but she was crying, and they, the whole crew could hear it. And they were like, "Well, maybe we're just their imagination playing tricks," <laughs> you know. But uh, uh, that happened out there when we were going to flip over. There was numerous times, you know, where I've been, the spirit of my mom is always with me. You know, you know that saying where we're all connected through love. You know, when somebody loves you, you know that's 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 how that is. You and know? I believe that. I believe that that can happen too. A lot of people will, will 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 deny that and say that when a loved one passes over, that that's it. There's no communication. They can't talk to you. And if anything happens, well, it's a demon. I don't believe that at all because I have felt the spirit of my abuelita and uh, and my grandmother on my dad's side. And I've had dreams and, and things, and I've seen my mother in my dreams, and I know that it's it's her, and it's not some fake thing, you know, whatever. And I've had that happen. With just about everybody who's passed over, my cousin Paul Anthony when he died, and uh, you know, and my cousin Rosalind, you know, and I've had a lot of people who passed over. My aunt Agnes, um, I've seen these people. When my when my cousin Trey was in trouble, his uh, grandmother Agnes had, had appeared to me, and uh, I I knew he was in trouble, and I called his mom and dad and I said, "Hey, what's going on?" Because I just saw Agnes, and everybody was like, "Whoa," you know. So that was his, that was his grandmother. And so I, I do believe that the that if some when someone passes over, I believe that they can kind of linger in, in between. You know what I mean? To 
look out for, watch over. And, and I know a lot of people argue with me about that, but that's the truth. Yeah, they they become uh, guardian angels. Yeah, well, not necessarily the angels, but I mean they they well, no, yeah. like guardian, like guardians, guardians yeah, like, guardian spirits because they're not angels, but yeah, that's it's it's your guardian. Yeah, what do you think of that, Martin? Do you believe that? I don't really know, brother Josh. Uh, you know, we we have uh, uh, very few differences in belief as far as theology goes, but yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure I'm 100 percent sold on that one. Yeah. And see, uh, and, I got another story. There, there's yeah, a lot. We're seeing, all learning, right? Do what? We're all learning from each other. We're all yeah. learning. We're just trying to learn yes. and get knowledge. Yeah. I know that yeah. I almost died of H1N1 um, years ago, I guess several years ago now. And when I was in the hospital, it, that it's that swine flu, you know, and there was a bunch of people. And there were so many people right. that had it that they had me up in the heart wing. And I had, I didn't have a heart problem. I had no heart condition at all. And so they put me in the heart wing, and they said that they had to put the overflow into the other wings because we were hit pretty hard here in the county I'm living in. And I know that that when my Walita had come to me, and when I told my mother, because I thought that it was my mother because she looked a lot like her, I said, Mom, were you over here at the hospital? I told you to stay away. And she said, no, Mijo, I wasn't over at the hospital. And, and, I, and I said, oh, my gosh. And then she started crying because that was the day that my Walita had died. And my little Willita died when I was like two. I barely remembered her, but she she was the one that uh, you know had said that I had the the eye, you know, the gift, whatever. And so, whenever you know she had she had come to me and was stroking my hair in the hospital, I I had seen my grandmother another time too, and it was around Christmas time because that's when she died, like right before Christmas. And so I was digging in a toy box at my friend Terry's house, and and. What I was looking for was there was we were outside playing football, you know, and we've all done that, been out there trying to play football and the football's going flat and we're we're not, you know, rich kids. We don't just have another football laying around. So I had to go in there to try to find the nerf ball, you know, I was like, man, and so Terry's house uh wasn't like as far as I know, it wasn't like 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 too haunted or anything like that. It wasn't, you know, so I just said, I guess I'll go in there to get it, you know, because the the other two of the kids were arguing that we could still play with that one, whatever. And I said, look, I'll just go get the Nerf ball. It's in his toy box. Because, you know, for, for the younger generation, I know guys like me, Abe, and Barton, we had toy boxes. Like, you put your toys in the toy box. And that's where they, they that's where you kept, you had like a toy box, like a little box or, or whatever. Um, you know, and that's kind of, but, you know, kids nowadays, they have computers and all this other crap, you know. So we had our, our our bigger toys. We just throw them in the toy box. Well, that's everybody had one, you know. Even if you were a poor kid, you'd have something in there, you know, a teddy bear or something. So I, I went in. There. I didn't have a lot in mind when I was little. When I was real little, but anyway, I went in there and Terry. I was looking for his Nerf ball, and I just I hear footsteps behind me on the linoleum kitchen. I turned around and I looked and I saw this woman standing there who I didn't really recognize. And I stared at her for several seconds, and she just kind of smiled at me. And I didn't get any kind of fear. I didn't have any kind of weird. It was nothing like that. I just turned around and just kept doing what I was doing. I remember I was like seven years old. I was like in second grade. And I found the ball and I got up and I walked out and I thought, I wonder what the, who that woman was. So when my mom picked me up, I was kind of troubled by it. And she kept asking me what was wrong. And she's like, Mijo, are you okay? And I was like, no, nah. I don't know. I saw something weird today inside of Terry's house. I think his house is haunted. And my mom just kind of laughed gently, you know, laughed like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 
And then she's like, she's like, okay, well, Mijo, you don't have to be afraid of ghosts because you have Jesus. And I said, okay. And then she goes, why do you think it's haunted? I said, I don't know. I saw this woman standing behind me. And uh, it was really weird. My mom kind of started, you know, getting this kind of concerned look on her face. And then as we she we were dri- we were driving, she started like I saw a tear come out of her eye, and I was like, "Why is my mom crying?" So when we get home, she starts di- digging through these old photo albums, and I'm just kind of ignoring it. I'm over there pulling my uh, homework and stuff out and getting ready to do whatever. Um, and and so my my mom was like, uh, "Come here, me home." And so I walked over to her, and I remember. This was like the last day, I think. It was like the last day before Christmas vacation. And I had actually been given, I remember this because I was aggravated because they had given me some kind of math paper to do or something. And I was like, what the freaking heck? So it was like one more day or something. I had to turn it in the next day or something, I think, before Christmas vacation. And my mom was like, show me the picture of this woman, you know. And so, uh, and I, and because she was convinced of who it was at that point because I'd given her a description. And I said, that's her right there. And I pointed. And she's like, that's your Walita. And I said, that's Walita? I said, I thought she looked familiar from like pictures and from what I vaguely remembered as a toddler. And so then my mom was like, yeah, she goes, she, she, that was your Walita. And then, but it was like not, I don't think it was right on the day that she had died, but it was around the time that she had died. Um, but my mom was like, my mom started crying. And then my sister came and was like, She's like, Pendejo, you know, you made mom you made mom cry, you know, over here with your with your BS, whatever. And my mom <laughs> snapped at her, you know. My sister one of my sisters in particular never missed an opportunity to, to you know, she didn't like me. She was always kinda like, you know, just kinda after me, you know. And so my mom told her to shut up and be quiet, whatever. And so she did and walked off and um but yeah, I did I didn't I had no idea that that was who she, who that was. But when you look at pictures of my mother as she got older, and then you look at her mom, they look very similar. I mean, they look, you know, so. It's kind of, that's what happened to me. Uh, my great-great-grandmother, my, my you know, when she was alive, she was a medicine woman also. And she would do, like, uh, the sage. And you could see these demonic beings. Within. She would smoke out of her, her living room, you know, like full of smoke. And you'll be able to see what was around you, and you could see this demonic beings standing there, and she would pray against them and tell them to to leave me alone or whatever, you know. And they would they would leave out of her out of her home. But the reason I like going to her is because you know she also had stories. But I would go play with her pigeons and roosters because she had a lot of you know uh, pigeons, roosters, and there was his shed, and there was his man. I was sitting there in the shed and. He was always tired, you know, he, he had his, his brown boots with mud, but he would never say nothing to me and I'll be talking to him, but he wouldn't say nothing. And he was just looking down all the time. I would see him there in the, on the shed outside. It was like a little, little cab, like a little shed where we were just sitting down out there on a chair. Then I would see him in the, in one of her rooms where she had a lot of clothes hanging. I would see him sitting by the window over there by the chair. So then one day, you know, I was telling her that I like going to her house because, you know, I like visiting her, the pigeons, the roosters, and the man sitting over there on the shed. And then sometimes I see him in the room and she's like, can you tell me how he looks? And then I was describing what he would wear and stuff. And I could see like tears coming to her eyes. And my mom was telling me to shut up, you know, and she was like, just leave him alone, leave him alone. And, and what else do you see? You know, and I was telling her and, uh, the description I gave her was her husband, which was my 
great great grandfather that I never met because he had passed away before I was even born. And uh, she said that I was gifted. Uh, my my great great grandmother. Uh, but I would always see him wearing the the clothes and stuff. You know how he wore. And after that, I really didn't see him anymore. When I I guess he was just trying to get me to give her that message that he was around her. You know. Uh, but yeah, I understand. Uh, my mom didn't want me to, to, she just didn't know the things that would happen when she wasn't around. Like, you know, there was an, one time, uh, was because I was in, uh, I was in track, right? So I was in junior high. So I went to this, this pharmacy and cause they had a water fountain, you know, I was drinking water. So I was going to cut through the store and this lady, you know, old lady just, stood right in front of my path and she she said my name she knew my name i never even met the lady and then she said my, my mom's name my father's name and she said those are your parents and i said yes ma'am you know because i'm about a respect right it's your elders talking to you so as i told her that that was that was my name she dropped this amulet out of her hand they looked freaked out and she started talking a different language. You know, I don't know what the hell she was talking. It wasn't Spanish or English. So right there and then, I felt that she was trying to do something wrong to me. I could feel something that she was trying to do something wrong. So I started praying to our father. When I was praying to our father, uh, through my parallel vision behind me, I could see where I started praying that the angels that were standing behind me, you could see their, their golden aura. So they were standing behind me. Uh... The lady got scared. She dropped her amulet and it shattered on the ground. And she took off running out of the, the pharmacy. And that was the last time I ever, ever seen her. You know, those are kind of like incidents that happened to me, not just when I was a kid, but they happened to me all the time. Uh, even till now, you know, I run into people like that where, you know, it's not that it's, well, some of them is because it's a path that they've chosen. But sometimes you run into people that they might have a spiritual opening where they can use them to come up against you. Right to to see if they can find an opening. I've, I've had it. Uh, give an example. Uh, there was a Dollar General closing, and I was looking at the items that were on sale, and it was like seventy five percent seventy five percent off. This happened in Colleen, and I was standing there, and then I hear somebody say, "You don't know, you don't know nothing." So I turn around, and I see now there's an African American woman behind me, and I thought that you know she was talking on the phone or something. So I turn around and look at the items again. And then she told me, you don't know nothing. When I turned around, she's looking at me. And I said, excuse me, ma'am. And she, she told me to shut up. And she said, listen to me. Yeah, I've been, she's like, I've been here on this earth way longer than you. Uh, you don't know nothing and all this. And I was like, ma'am, why do you, and told me, she was being rude to me, told me to shut up again. So that's what I, what I, when I noticed that there was something wrong with her, that there was something else. In her, you know, so uh, it started telling me to believe in it, you know. So it, when it started telling me to believe in it, uh, I say, I tie and bind and rebuke you in Jesus' name. And when I said that, the lady just fell down to the ground, like literally, like, boom, hit hard on the ground where whatever was had control of her body left the body. And she just hit face to the ground and she started crawling on the ground, you know. She, she grabbed me from the pant leg and grabbed me from the hand and she kissed me on the hand and, and she said, thank you. Thank you. Uh, she said, uh, you're a saint. You're a saint. I said, man, I'm just a regular person. 
thank you, thank you. And I'm looking at her and she's like acting differently. She's not acting like she was. And I said, man, can you tell me what happened to you? Uh, she said that her, her, her mom and her sister were driving. There was a, there were in a car accident and uh, they had died. And that day that they died, that she denounced God. Well, as soon as she denounced God, she got possessed. And that she was living in the streets, eating eating out of a garbage can, and committing all kinds of sins uh, that are written within the Bible because she, she had no control of it. She had no control of her body that I'm the one that broke her free from that, you know, from that bondage. Uh, and I just told her that she needed to repent and, uh, you know, she repented right there and then. And, uh, you know, I prayed for her some more for God to protect her and stuff like that. And she was just like literally crying, man, like, like just big time crying. And that I just left her alone and walked away, you know, uh, I have another incident where I'm going to go uh, take some paperwork. Uh, and now, you know, I was a single parent, so I had to turn in some paperwork, you know, for my son and, there was this homeless guy. He was sitting on a park bench. He was barefooted. He, would, he looked dirty. And uh, he asked me a question. He asked me, how come God can feed all this this birds, but he can't feed me? And I said, I'll be right back. I could turn in the paperwork, came back out, and I said, what did you say again? He said, how come God can feed all these birds, but he can't feed me? And I'm looking at him. And I told him to get in the vehicle with me. So get him in the vehicle. I go to Jack in the Box and say, order whatever you want. You know, so he ate like three or four meals because he was hungry. You know, and uh, I, I took him back to the little park bench. I said, what was the question that you asked me? So how come? He said, well, didn't you, God just feed you right now? You just say, so God does exist. If it, uh, He fed you. And I was like, uh, can you tell me something about you? What's your story? So well, he said that when he was 16 years old, that his mom had got him with somebody. And that the man he hit him on the head with a with a pipe. You know, and he had the scar on his head. Show me the scar. He said he ran away from home. You know, so he'd been in a, living in Austin for about four years in the streets. You know? And I said, what would I tell you? He's like he was telling me that his mom hated him, you know, and I could sense that it was like the negative energy that was trying to make him think that way. So I bet you your your mom still she loves you and she worries about you. Said, Do you got her number? And he still remembered her number, so I called that number, right? So I called the number and he's there listening. And then I said, Ma'am, is this so and so? And uh so I'm just here to talk to you about your son. And uh, she was crying. She was crying because she thought that I was going to tell her that he was dead, you know. And uh, I told him that I had him right there with him, and and he heard it because I had him on, I had her in speaker. That she said, "I tell him I love him, that I'm sorry. Tell him that I'm not with that guy no more." And then I looked at him, and he started crying, you know. And which when I when I when he started crying, I felt that the the evil left because she said that she loved him, you know. So and I told her that I will wait there for with him. She got there because she lived in another town. Uh, I don't know how far. I think it was like a 80 miles away or something. So I waited there uh, till she came to pick him up. She picked him up and she gave him a big hug and a kiss. 
And she, he was crying, she was crying, and they got in the vehicle and they left. But, hey, let me uh, ask I you. Believe, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, yes. But I believe that, you know, because of the negative event that happened to him, that that, that it was, you know, this unclean spirits that had him thinking that nobody loved him, that she didn't love him, and all this, you know, and had him living in the streets. But uh, I was glad that I was able uh, to help him reconcile. And she left. He left with her that day. You know. But go ahead, brother. No, I was going to ask me? ask you a question. When when you were living in in Colleen at in their Elms Grove, um, like when did all that start with the Elms Grove things? With with you having the encounters and all that. What what because you you had bought a, you'd bought a trailer or something. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, I had bought a trailer there. Uh, when someone was going to be born, I bought a trailer, and he was born in two thousand and two thousand and one. Uh, and I bought the mobile home there in Elms Grove. And I had one of those. Those uh, a contract was that someone I stayed living there that it was okay and all this, you know, that I could stay there as long as I want to in, the, in, in Elms Grove because you know I bought the mobile home there. So I was staying there, you know, and it, it, to me it was an, a nice environment, you know, because uh, I had a park, you had the swimming pool, you know, it had wood, the uh, the park, you know, I felt that that's a good environment for my son to grow, especially, you know, it was, they had strict rules and, you know, it wasn't that, like in the barrio, you know. Uh, so, you know, a couple of years passed by, my son started growing, you know, taking to the park, taking to the swimming pool. Uh, there was one day where uh, me and my friend, because she had a daughter around the same age as my son, and I wanted to show her the the, the creek, you know, uh, how beautiful it is when the when the water's in there. And they were playing on the on the slides originally, right? And they were going back and forth from the slide to the swings. So I went to the the creek, you know. It was probably like maybe from the slide to the creek. It was probably like twenty feet away, uh, twenty five to thirty feet away. So I, we could hear him play, right? So I'm showing her the creek, and then next thing you know, I don't hear him playing no more. So as I don't hear him playing no more, I go back out there, and we get, we don't see him in the park. And the park has two sides: the side where I had the encounter, and then there's another side to the park behind the swimming pool. So I went to that side, and I couldn't find him. So I went home because you know he liked playing Sega Genesis with her. You know they had a little Sega Genesis. So I went there, maybe that he took her home to play video games. So when we got there, that wasn't there. And I told my sister, you know, hey, have you seen the eight, eight and junior? And she's like, no, I haven't seen them. So she went out there and we started searching for him. We searched all that area again and we couldn't find them. So that's, that was around already like 30 minutes. We couldn't find them. And I told him to call the cops. So. Uh, my friend was crying, you know, and I was like freaking out, you know, because, you know, was, the sun was already going to set, you know, it was already going down. So I said, fuck, let me go over here. And I started following my spiritual senses, you know, what I part of practice, what I trained. So as I'm following my spiritual senses, I see something behind a bush, you know, like like the top of somebody's head, you know, like the, just the hair. And when I went through those bushes, they were standing there. They were just standing there in a trance-like state. You know, they wouldn't say nothing. There was a moon. They were just side by side. Like, they were, like, hypnotized by something. So I'm looking at them, trying to get their attention. They wouldn't say nothing to me, respond to me. 
and I asked them uh, numerous times, you know, what are y'all doing here? What are y'all doing here? And we've been looking for y'all. Next thing, after a while, like about five, ten minutes, because it didn't happen automatically, about five, ten minutes, they say the man in black called us. So I'm yelling at them, and I'm waving where I'm at. My sister and my friend come, and they grab us to take them home. And I said, and, uh, and they took him home, and I, that's when I went uh, right there. I went to go looking for this men in black, you know, I was looking for either somebody dressed in black or or an African American, right? So I'm looking in the woods, you know, searching uh, to see if I can find anybody, you know, and I can find nobody. I went everywhere. I went on the by the creek, underneath the bridge, on the highway, and I couldn't see no men in black, right? So that happened, and I was like, well, maybe just coincidental you know maybe it's there's just kids being kids but but i knew it was more than that because the trash like state the war and you know so then uh after that you know because there was this old lady philippine lady used to live in the corner and she called me to her house one day and when she called me there she told me not to go into those woods because there was something evil there she had been living there already for about 30 years and she said there's something very evil there do not go into those woods. And I said, man, can you explain what are you talking about? And uh, the only thing she said, that it's something evil. You know, she never say nothing to me directly of what it is that's in there. She just said, do not go in there. Go go the other way around. Don't go through that path. Go the other way around. Go somewhere else, but not through there because there's something evil. And I, at that time, you know, I was like, well, maybe it's just her. You know, she's an old lady. So I left it at that. You know, uh, then one day, you know, there's a man uh, standing there, and I guess it's, and he's standing by the shed, by her shed, but outside the fence, and he's looking at me, and he's like, hey, how you doing? Who are you? I said, I'm I'm her son, you know? I said, really? He said, uh, he's looking at me, and he said he was a, uh, what do you call him? Uh, the ones that, a historian for natives, right? That's what he told me. He was a historian for natives. And he said that he's from, from Arizona, right? So he's telling me he's from Arizona and all this, that he just came to visit his mom. But what was weird about it, that his eyes, his eyes, I could see like yellowish within his eyes when he was talking to me, you know? And then uh, he said, you know, so I, I said, he, this is what he asked me. He said, do you know what a Lycanthorpe is? I was like, no, what is that? Said, do you know what a werewolf is? Uh well, I've heard of a werewolf, you know, from the movies and stuff. And it's like, you see those woods over there? And he pointed. That's what's in there. And it's like, I'm looking at him. And I was like, okay, well, well, thank you. So then I started thinking about it. And it's like, well, maybe it's it's true. There's something evil there, right? So I went home and left it alone, you know. Like two years later, two years later, she's moving, you know, because they bought a house and she's, she sold a mobile home. She, they're moving the mobile home out of there. And he's there inside the yard, right? So I go up to him. Hey, man, what's up, bro? Uh, remember me? And he's looking at me. I said, I've never met you before. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, remember we talked about last time you were standing right here by the shed and you were telling me about not to go into the woods because of uh, Lycanthorpe. He said, I don't even know who you are, man. That's what he told me. I've never met you before. You know, so what was it that took his form? It looked just like him, you know. That's when I started 
getting more suspicious of there's something really there. But that's where it started was what happened with my son. So after that, you know, I started noticing those shadow figures at nighttime that will come out out of the wood line. You know, uh, when my, my nephew was born, uh, there was one evening that I heard him crying. He was crying. And I wanted to go see what was wrong with him. So when I went out there, I seen somebody over him, and I thought it was my nephew changing his diaper. You know, he was like probably like three weeks old. So as he's changing his diaper, you know, I thought he was changing his diaper. I looked, and it's like, man, that's not my nephew. And he just stood up, and I seen that the door was open. So my front door was open. So he took out, it went out the went out the front door, and I just yelled to my sister, somebody's trying to take little Rick. You know, that's my my little nephew's name. So I went after it, you know, when I was running after it, I noticed that it was gliding off the ground and it was like a dark shadow and it went into, into a tree. It would literally went into a tree. So I'm looking at the tree and I'm like, identify yourself. You know, I seen you go there, identify yourself. I command you to identify yourself. And then he jumped out of the tree and went into another tree. And I started praying to our father. And so I praying to our father, it, it jumped out of the tree and when it started going up into the air, uh, to the, uh, to the tree and to the branches. And he was laughing. It was laughing and it was like, when it was going up in the air, it looked like, like, uh, a man with a cape and a top hat. Like he took that form and he was just laughing, like making fun of me, you know? So I was saying to our father, I was praying, you know, and that's when a lot of the activity started happening more and more, you know, like, uh, with the shadow figures that were coming. Like if you were to go there, Elmsco, uh, brother Josh, uh, 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 well, for any of the viewers, you don't even have to go to the park at nighttime. If you sit in your car, you'll be able to see them from just the parking out there. You'll be able to see the movement in the park where there's something running around, and there'll be like 12 or 14 of them moving around, and you can see the movement. And you're like, and as soon as you go out there to go see what's, what it is, they took off back into the woods. They go back into the wood line. And that's the activity that I could see from my home because I had view of the park. How long did this go on for? Man, for, for years, brother Josh, I was, I was paying off my home, you know, you know, I had a mortgage to, for the mobile home. So it happened till I left in 2015, uh, from, from when my son, when it happened to my son, he was already like four years old. So that was like in 2004, 2005, and all the other events happened. I mean, I was, it was a constant spiritual battle for about the 10, the, the next 10 years for me that I had to stay there. It was a never ending storm. There was people that came to investigate. There was some, uh, people, I knew, uh, my, my, my friend that had the experience with her daughter. Her sister came. She was in the military and she brought some people with her. That she said that the one was uh, like a Wiccan and the other one could uh, travel out of their body. So she took him to the location, you know, because like, like you know, a lot of people didn't believe my story of what, of what I've been experiencing there. So they came to check it out. Uh, when the sun went down, I took the one that said she could go out of, out of her body to the area where I had my encounter. I told her, I'm it happened right here. I took her into the wood line because she said she wasn't afraid of whatever's there. So I went and I waited for her in the bend, you know, which I was still in the woods. 
Next, not, she was not even there like two or three minutes. And she said, what is that? Oh my God. And next thing you know, she's running out of there, right? As she's running out of there, you can see the giant orb, red orb chasing her out of the wood line. And so I go, you know, cause I, I, at that time I still had a cane, you know, I was, I was still tr- trying to recuperate from a, from a block cloud on my left leg. In which that happened there too, you know, uh, in Elms Grove. Uh, as I, I walked, I found her in the path and the entrance of the path, she was laid out, you know, and her, my, my friend's sister came and they picked her up and there was another female with her that was in the military and she had welts, like bumps all over her face, all over her body, like bumps everywhere. And she was like passed out and they carried her to the vehicle and she started hallucinating. Well, not hallucinating. She started seeing the, what I've seen. She started seeing the strider figures and she started, and I was like, what are you seeing? And she was describing them. She was pointing. But when I was looking uh, with the visual, I couldn't see nothing, but she was pointing how they, she described them of what I've seen in the past, you know? So they put her in the car and they took off and they left. Uh, there was an, a gentleman, another guy that came, they brought another guy that said he was a Wiccan and all this. And he went in there and said he was going to close the portal that's there and all this. And he got spiritually attacked. He got, I had to literally pray to go in there and save him because he started, he got to pull, he got pulled in deeper into the darkness and he was, you, you could see he was like something was possessing him. So I went in there praying and I picked him up. I literally picked him up on my shoulder and carried him out of there. And he, he got all his energy drained and he was saying the same thing that that, that girl seen. So after that, you know, they, they started believing what I'm saying all along that it was true. So, kind of like my friends were worried about me that I was living there because of the activity that that was happening there you know uh it's crazy you know this this uh how no I call them DDNs because of the disembodied nephilim or demonic you know disembodied demonic beings because they're in spirit form but when they manifest you can still see some kind of form but you know uh I'll give you another story uh there was this uh I'll give you another example of how they work. Uh, I was in the swimming pool. Uh, it was just me and my son in the swimming pool. My son at that time, he was like around six, six or seven. And he was swimming in the water, right? There was this, this kid, there was this kid that lived there that was 17 years old. He's Puerto Rican from New York. His mom was in the military and he had gotten into some trouble. He was, he was dealing drugs. And they said they were at a party and that somebody stole the money, right? So I told him that he wanted me to, that I could talk to those people, maybe, you know, work something out so they would, they would get off of him, you know, or whatever. And he said, no, because, you know, it's something, it's my business, blah, blah, blah. So next thing you know, uh, they go into the pool, like maybe two weeks later. They're going to the pool and it's, it's him, a, uh, uh, a white white kid and a black kid, you know. So they're standing right in front of me, and they're looking at me. And the Puerto Rican's there, and he's like, he's looking at me, and this is what he says: "I can kill you right now, and there's nothing that anybody can do about it." And I look at him and say, "What do you mean, man? I'm I'm your friend. Why would you say that to me?" And then he's looking at at the other kids. And he looks at me again, he tells me the same thing. And that time, you know, it was like military and stick kicked in. I said, well, shit, I'm going to have to fight three people. 
But then I said, you know what? My spiritual director said, use the Love Foundation. And I was like, hey, man, what would you say that to? I'm your friend. I, I'm tr- I try to help you. I'm trying to help you. I know your mom. I know your dad. I know your mom. I know your, your brother. Then he just looked at him and he said, hey, just get out of here. So they left and they're looking at me and they just walk away. And this kid was driving in a, in a, in a, driving a truck, right? I seen him take off in a truck. Following day, they arrest this kid. The reason they arrested him is the truck that he, that he was driving, he killed the owners of that truck. They, they killed him and burned him. And he had killed two strippers. So he had already murdered four people when he was standing in front of me at, at, at that part, when he was telling me that he could kill me that he, if, if he wanted to. So it can use people with an opening to come up against you. So that's how they attach themselves. But I knew that, you know, so I, I stayed to my, my love foundation, but yes, he, anything could have happened at that given time. You know, I just thank God that nothing did happen. You know, like you said, right. hey, you know, let me ask you a question, Yes. So I know you're 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 a Christian like Josh and I. Uh, yes, brother. Well, well read on the on the Bible and the Scripture. What do you think about the Nephilim? Do you think they're still around today and still um, interacting with people today? Well, if, if if you look into the Scripture, you know that you got the washers, was the creators, where there were angels, that were the ones looking over the people when the flood came because they created. The Nephilim, which were, there wasn't just giants. The Nephilim wasn't just giants. They came in many sizes, in many shapes, and many forms. But because they were angelic, but, you know, because they were, when they got, when uh, they became the one-third, they got casted down because the Legion and Satan, and they were affiliated with them because they was working with Lucifer, so they became demons too. But when the flood came, the disembodied Nephilim, because they were part human, they died. But since they were demonic or angelic, right? Angelic, demonic, they be, they became disembodied Nephilim, which we know as demons now. And those are the ones that are existing in spirit form that, that many people are being lured by them. And of what I witnessed and what I've experienced, personally experienced in Elm's Grove, that even though it took a beastly form or it can mimic voices, that I believe that's what we're dealing with is this disembodied demonic nephilim that you know like some of the pictures you can tell there's something there you know and then the only reason i place them out there is just to show people that they do exist but they're not gonna you're not gonna be able to see one like in like take a picture that you know you're gonna be able to see them in in full flesh form you're gonna be like in spirit form because that's what they are and they're always just looking out for a host like i'll give an example uh when somebody makes a yelling sound, right? Uh, when they're looking for a Bigfoot. And and then they get a yell back at them. And they're going back and forth yelling at each other because they're supposed to be calling at each other. That right there can be a spiritual opening, especially if it's those disembodied Nephilim. Or, for example, if somebody... Uh, they find a rock formation or they, they get gifted somebody because you hear what people get gifted something. They play something, they get something in return. 
that could be a transfer in the spirit, like especially if it's those disembodied Nephilim trying to get those people to believe that it's a Bigfoot right doing that. So when they grab uh, the item and they they keep put it in their hand, that's already tra a transfer in the spirit, right? Especially if there's something within that item, or if they take the item home, they're they're carrying that item or they're transferring a spirit to the house. Uh, and, and natives used to do the rock formations, right? The circle formations. They would do uh, the circle right. formation of rocks uh, for, I believe, the thing. Uh, the thing they would do it for was for when somebody was sick, they would do the rock formation to place a sick person within the formation, or when somebody was was fixing to die, who, who was able to enter the that rock formation was the uh, the shaman to try to heal them, right? Because uh, you know to heal the sick, that's what we do those those rock formations, and. There's uh, another another reason they would do a, a formation of a circle like that was for ritual sacrifices, where when natives didn't want to uh, die, but uh, like when there was Cherokees, Comanches, Apaches, or Kawak like the natives from here, uh, they used to live in this central Texas. Uh, there were cannibals. There literally were cannibals where uh, there were cannibals which they were eat. Other natives, right? Uh, the flesh, which, you know, where you hear people talk about skinwalkers and then you cut the windigos because of eating of the flesh, but the natives, that's what they would do. They would eat flesh, uh, which they kill a lot of the natives. They, they moved into Oklahoma. They're from Oklahoma, they went to Arkansas, I mean, uh, to Arizona, but that's what they would do. And a lot of them got murdered. But when the Comanches and the Apaches and other natives that had lost families, they came at and started hunting them and killing them. So the government had to get involved, right? Uh, at that time, the, the cow was in horse regiments. So, but what happened is, um, some of those natives that didn't want to die, they, they would form a circle, they would grab their families, right? And form a circle by holding hands. And the head of the household, or the, 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 the they would cut the wrists of the people. In which it will make a circle, and there, and it was like a they bled to death. Everybody, right? So they say there's a story where at the when the sun rose after the sacrifice, because you know it's kind of like a curse. They said that the one would rise out of the middle of the circle, and the one is basically like a you know demigod or 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 demonic being that could could shape shift. Using Mother Nature itself, that it lives within Mother Nature, and he has those abilities because of the sacrifice. Uh, but yes, uh, I do. I believe they do exist. That's what you. That's what they are. Disembodied Nephilim, or, or 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 demons. That's what they are, and they exist. Where, I mean, you hear it within the the communities right now, where we're losing a lot of family. Uh, should I say a lot of members within the community, where they're passing away. But and, and a lot of them are, or you know, the hunters of Bigfoot, where they go out there and they're out there doing all these things. But you know, like I said, the things they might be doing could be openings for them to get sick because uh, of that. You know, like there was one evening there in Elms Grove, I was I was walking, I would walk because I was like I said, I was trying to heal my leg, so I was trying to get it stronger. So I was walking one evening, like around two in the morning, and I said, you know what? I already walked last night, like ten laps around. There is a big quad, you know. And I said, you know what? I'm just going back. And there was an airport, the old, old friends there. So I, as I turned around, 
And I started walking back. I see the big old rock formation in the center of the street. And I'm like, there's no way anybody is going to place those big, big rocks in the middle of the freaking road. So I'm looking and it's like, hey, who's here? Who's out here? You know, who's here trying to mess with me? You know, I thought it was my nephews or something, you know, who's out here trying to mess with me? And I was like, it, it was like 20 rocks, big rocks, placed in a circle formation in the middle of the street. So as I'm standing there, I see two giant red orbs coming straight at me from two different directions. So I see them coming at me. So I still go into prayer. I go into prayer, start praying to our Father, and I said, please help me, Jesus. You know, start praying. And next thing you know, I see two blue orbs come, and they collided with each orb. And those red orbs scattered in little pieces, but the blue orbs they ascended back into into the into the sky. Uh, I I didn't touch the rock formation. I left it alone, and I, I walked back to my house. Those are the kind of events that happened there uh, in Elm's Grove. You know, uh, that was happening to me. And like I said, there was people that witnessed some of the events because things happened to them. Uh, but that's something that I wouldn't suggest nobody to go. <laughs> I mean, I always tell people, hey, there's an open invitation to come visit El Grove. You want to go see, you know, something. But at the same time, I don't want nothing to happen to nobody. Yeah, I'm good. Or, I don't think I want to go or, there. <laughs> so, Abe, or, or somebody, Abe, we're gonna we're gonna cut it, cut the uh, um, time here because we are we have been recording for a while, and so I have to get up tomorrow. But, dude, it was this was a lot of information, and it's going to be that's uh, going to be pretty good. Um, so yeah, anyways, just a little bit because I didn't get, get to talk about everything else. Yeah. So, so what we'll do is, um, how about you come on my live stream and, and talk about, just come on and talk about your dog man and Elms Grove uh, stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and so whatever can, you want to talk about, uh, the Elms Grove or spiritual, whatever, man. Yeah. And, I mean, and, I, I'm, I, I have nothing. I'm just here at the, I'm a disabled vet. So like I said, you know, I, 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 I ain't got no hard feelings with you, Josh. I never have, you know, I, because I know how important it is to maintain the Love Foundation. I mean, we're all human, right? But somebody's going to get mad at something one day or another. But at the very end, you know, we have to protect our our, our foundation or put us on, man. Yeah. We can't protect right. our Thank own our heart. Who's going to protect it for us? <laughs> you know. All right. Thank you for your service, Abe. Oh, yeah, you're thank welcome, you for brother. your service, Abe. And and, and uh, everyone, don't forget to like and subscribe. And Abe, see us, everybody. That was Abe. And, and uh, don't forget. The uh, Bigfoot Conference coming up in Texas, uh, or in Jefferson, Texas, that's coming up, and uh, me and Barton will be there on October 14th, 15th, and 16th. Ken Gerhardt's going to be there, another friend of ours, along with Lyle Blackburn and Celine. Bigfoot Rob, uh, Jason McLean, and uh, Tex from Tex Front Porch, a bunch of our friends, a bunch of people are going to be there. Uh, Craig Woolheater, so everybody go and check that out. Abe, you're welcome to head over there to Jefferson um, and, uh, if you want to check it out, you know, and, um, yeah. Je Jefferson, where's that at? Jefferson, Texas. I think it's only about, uh, probably three and a half hours from you. I, Cause it's on the, it's like, like you go toward, uh, Dallas and then you, you go, I think from, from you, you would just like, you would head East and then you kind of cut and it's right below, uh, Dallas. And then I think yeah. to the, I will to see the what, what day, because I got, a I know I got some, uh, a wedding to go to and a quinceanera. Well, uh, yeah. I know it's going to be on the weekend, so I just have to check the date. Yeah, but it's going to be 14th, 15th, and 16th. Come check us out. We can all hang out. 
and uh, me and Barton will have a table there, and I'm a sponsor of the uh, conference. Um, we definitely have a different perspective that we all share um, than the yes. average Bigfooter or, right. or Dogman because we know what the true nature of reality is, and we know what these creatures are. And it is refreshing to talk to a, a person that that does know what you know. It seems like we didn't line up these interviews. Based on people's beliefs, I'm not joking, but everybody that we've talked to no, we seem, seems to have the we yeah we basically just put together a list of people we we wanted to record with, and right now me and Barton are about halfway through it as of the recording of this episode, and we did not know that everyone was going to have the same view, and I'm not joking. I mean that's it's I mean what's the odds of that happening? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because I didn't know exactly, you know, how all of these people believe. Now, I knew Abe's belief, um, but I didn't know, like, there's at least three of them. I, did, I had no idea that they were, that that's how they believed. It was like, I thought that it was going to be more of a traditional whatever, and it didn't turn out that way. But um, right. it is what it is, you know, and, and the truth is the truth, as you guys always talk about the truth and Abe, I uh, I respect you and and I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for apologizing to me and my wife and everything that went on. And I thank you for for uh, accepting my apology and because you know we all got into it and it was unfortunate. Everybody in this community at this point knows, you know, like <laughs> I have I've been I've had some issues with with people, you know, and and Abe is not somebody that I should have been engaging with. There are other people out there that are not nice people. They're not good people. And one of them had actually kind of instigated that whole thing. I'm not going to lay all the blame at him, but we kind of got into it over his, you know, whatever. And that guy's always causing problems, but it's, he's going to be yeah, the Yeah, but that's, that's how they work. They want division. They don't want nobody to stay united. They want division. Absolutely. So they're going to put people to go against each, each other because they don't want the truth to be said. So that's how we get spiritually attacked, you know. One of the things you said, it was the same thing that, that Barton has said, same thing that DW told me. Same thing that Jessica Jones said when we recorded with her is that that it doesn't really matter who the people are. It's just going to be uh, there's just going to be more when that person's not, you know, whatever. There's going to be another person, another person, and you got to yeah. recognize when when it's somebody like you and I who have the same belief, the same whatever at our core. Um, it, it's a misunderstanding, and, and we're both alpha male type people, and we got a little carried away. You're a fighter, I'm a fighter, and we started kind of snarling. But yeah. there are some of these people out there. They are literally just like empty vessels, and I'm not joking. They are like NPCs, non-playable characters. All they're here for is just to cause chaos and division, and those those are the people that are going to come at us all. So we have to all unite and turn our horns toward them, like buffalo, to protect the herd and and you know and put on the full armor of God. And so everyone um, tonight, thank you, Abe, our guest, and Barton. Thank you for sitting in and and uh, a lot of great information. Tell tell everyone where they can find you, Abe. Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can uh, find me on Spiritual Encrypted Encounters on uh, YouTube and on Facebook. It's the same name. Or if you want to just watch little short reels, you can find me on TikTok under HCS. I have a, a, a TikTok also where I just put a short reels of the things that I capture out there. Uh, you know, whether they move, it moves a... Uh, is making some kind of movement and, or stuff like that. You know, put the short reels from the videos I debunk there. Yeah. Okay. And so, everyone, uh, thank you for listening and tuning in. 
for me and Barton and for Abe, everyone from the PRT family and all of our friends out there and in uh, YouTube land is our, our late Barton, uh, late our friend, the late Brenton Sawin used to say, uh, he used to call it YouTube land. Um, and all the platforms that we're on, everybody, y'all be safe and good night. Thank you. God bless you, everyone.